Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I just wanted to pop on before the episode just to share a little bit about today's guest. Now, Mark L. O'Brien, he is actually one of my clients. Now, I don't share too much about my career that I actually do. And like even when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, trying to keep it all together, I was still working. And I don't know if many of you know, but um, they call me the book doula. I help people write their books. I help people publish. I have a publishing company called Live Life Happy Publishing. And I know wholeheartedly the power of the written word. I believe books change 
lives. And that is large in part to the reason why I wrote the book, Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. Now, my book isn't a memoir. It's not about me and sharing my story, although my story is in the beginning in the introduction. The whole book is about tapping into all my training from positive psychology and resilience to help you take your power back. So But I wanted to share that I used a lot of my pain and struggle and I turned it into purpose. And that's what I did with my book. Now, the guest on the show today, he's done the same thing. He has written a book from one of the most traumatic events that he had in his life. And he turned his pain into purpose and his book is coming out really soon. So I have helped him um, with his book and I was excited to have him on the show because he is an expert in post-traumatic growth. And he did, he turned his pain into purpose. And now a lot of his pain, he documented and he used creative writing and journaling. And I know journaling was one of the most important, amazing parts of my journey to help me take back my power, to help me have real-time resilience. And so today we're going to talk all about that. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Mark. He is a wonderful wealth of knowledge. He has his master's in applied positive psychology. He's actually a lawyer. So you're just going to get so much from this episode. Now, of course, if you just want to use creative writing and journaling and you're the only person that's going to read it, it is so powerful. And there's scientific evidence on the power of healing from journaling and or creative writing. And so I hope you get a lot out of this episode. If you yourself have a book in your heart and you want help to publish it or to write it, I am your girl. I'm a book doula and I can help you do that. So I always say, I'm not going to let struggle go to waste. And that's why I created this podcast, the book, the community. And that's what my guest on the show today has done as well. So I'm just so happy to be celebrating him. And I hope you get a lot out of this episode. Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have an amazing guest on the show today. But first, let's just delve into this idea of loving someone with an addiction can come along with so much trauma, so much stress. And there's so many things that are just unexpected, right? In your life, maybe you perhaps you've lost your addicted loved one, perhaps you're dealing with the muck of being in in the muck of active addiction. So wherever you are, it is a struggle. It is challenging. It is hard. And it is something that sometimes you just like, you can't wrap your head around. It's such bizarre behavior that you're dealing with at times. And so today I'm just excited because we're going to delve into this whole concept of can writing about our thoughts and feelings and writing about traumatic and stressful events in our life also known as expressive writing, can it actually help us? Can it help us cope and help us with any of this emotional fallout? So we're going to delve into that today. So I am so excited because I have a positive psychology colleague and a post-traumatic growth expert on the show. And he is actually the author of the book, Crashing, I Love You, Forgive Me. And I'm so excited to welcome to the show, Mark L. O'Brien. Welcome. Thank you so much, Andrea. I'm thrilled to be here with you and and just grateful for your inviting me to to be on the podcast. Oh my gosh. Well, first we should start a little bit about you telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, we could go way back in my life, (laughs) um, you know, to the sometimes winding journey that has brought me to this point. Um, And Andrea, as you know, about 15 years ago, I was in my last semester of law school. I was going to be a corporate tax lawyer. Um, 
And my girlfriend, Laura, planned a birthday party for me. We went out drinking with friends at the bar. She was planning to be our designated driver. Something in our plan changed. I decided to drive my car home and I flipped it on the interstate and Laura died as a result. So in addition to just the grief and trauma and shame that went along with losing this woman I love and being responsible for it, I was also prosecuted for negligent homicide and went to jail. Um, and I had a long journey with, with grief and trauma. But in the end, I also found some meaning in this experience. And I observed that I wasn't the only one who went through really tough stuff and was able to find some purpose in it. And I know that's been a part of your journey, Andrea. Um, so I went back to school a few years ago because I wanted to learn more about this post-traumatic growth, this idea that our most painful experiences can be seeds of meaning uh, and strength. And what I found out is that I'm not the exception. This is something that happens for a lot of people. And that's not to discount the pain and the distress that comes along with these kinds of experiences. Um, but that's my really long-winded way to bringing us to the the kind of place we find ourselves now, which is that, as you said, my memoir is on its way out. And I've been thinking a lot about how writing can be a tool for healing. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to hear directly from J James Pennebaker about his expressive writing strategy and, and what it can do for people. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing that that touching story and your life and um, bring, bringing, turning your pain into purpose. And um, I'm so excited about your book. It is forthcoming. It's on pre-order now. And you really did turn through the, through expressive writing, you were able to process a really, really challenging traumatic event for you. And um, I, I, you know, I, I, I've heard it a few times now when we've had discussions and I still get a little bit teary eyed every time you share. Um, and just even the, t the subtitle of your book, I love you, forgive me. And, you know, your story is so touching and, and I love that you have made it into a book, um, with the purpose of just for your own growth and also for, for sharing your story so others can learn from you and, um, and touch other people. And that's what books change lives. Right. And so, um, so this is great. So we're going to get into this, all this idea of how, and what, let's back up a little bit and let's talk a little bit about what is post-traumatic growth, because we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder. We talk about a big T trauma and smaller traumas. Like, so can we delve into that a little bit before we get into the, the, the wonderful ideas of, of, of writing? Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great place to start. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people do have kind of ideas, some familiarity with the idea of post-traumatic stress disorder. And when we talk about PTSD, we're talking about a disorder that's defined by the APA uh, here, here in the U.S. and has like very particular symptoms and involves a very narrow category of experiences um, that, that are considered tr uh, trauma for the purposes of PTSD. But actually, I think when we talk about trauma, we should be thinking about it more broadly as highly distressing experiences that challenge the way that we think about the world and our place in it. Oh my gosh, you have to say that again. Yeah, so these are highly distressing experiences that challenge our thoughts about, our, about the world and our place in it. 
Um, and that's really hard because, uh, you know, part of growing up is that we develop a, a concept of what the world is. And when experiences don't align with that, it, it can be really troubling cognitively, which leads to some very disturbing emotional reactions too. So if you've ever been through something that was just really hard, which I, you know, I imagine a lot of your listeners have, it can be hard to control our thoughts about those experiences. A lot of times what we have are uh, what, what's called intrusive rumination, where our thoughts feel kind of out of control, right? They come out of nowhere when we maybe aren't in the best circumstances to be thinking them. We're trying to do something. We can't focus. Uh, some of the thoughts we have might be disturbing or troubling or painful. And so this is a common reaction to trauma. Right. And, and I think one of the things I had to learn was some of the things I felt were really, I felt like I was going crazy at some points, were really normal reactions to this. Um, and what we want to do over time, and, and expressive writing can be a really powerful tool to do this, is start purposefully processing the thoughts that we're having about these experiences. So we want to go from intrusive rumination, those invasive thoughts, to intentional rumination, where we're, we're setting some time aside to really process that thinking and its connection to emotions. And when people do that, it turns out that post-traumatic growth is actually a more common response to these types of experiences than what clinicians would diagnose as PTSD. And people find that they identify ways in which they're stronger than they ever know, or they've exercised those coping mechanisms. So they've gotten tougher. Um, their relationships get stronger because they identify connection with other people as more important than they may have realized in the past. And they develop a new sense of empathy for other people who are suffering. I think the biggest one and the one that really, I think, maybe is what people think of immediately when they think of the way that people can change after something like this is that they develop a new appreciation of life and they reprioritize things. They really, people really start to realize like what's most important in their lives. And sometimes that means that there's new things that are important. And sometimes it means that they're just able to identify those ones that really should be at the top of their list. Oh my gosh. It's so such a great definition of post-traumatic growth. And I love the way that you also talk about it in the fact that it's, it's almost like it's a natural, we, we naturally do that when we've gone through trauma, it's, it, we look, we go to coping strategies, we move to connecting to others, we um, reach out for support. So we gain new connections, we become, I always say I became an expert on uh, drug addiction because of what I went through. So we gain knowledge and we um, meet new people and there's all kinds of things. And, and I did, I had to reevaluate, you know, the importance of what I value value in my life. Like I value respect. I value caring. I value kind regard. And it really did help me to reevaluate what I need in a partner and someone in my life. So you're so right. Like it's almost like post-traumatic growth is a natural way that we deal with challenge, stress, trauma. And um, I also like the way you talked about it is that it's normal to ruminate, right? It's normal to, to think about what, what it is that we've gone through. But um, just by 
kind of using that difference between intrusive thoughts that are causing us to maybe go into the stress response over and over again. You're saying like, let, let, what was the other one? The contrast to intrusive was intentional. It, intentional. I love that. It's like looking at it like intentionally and doing that through expressive writing can be so powerful. That's right. Yeah. You know, this really is a, a natural path that people can follow. The researchers who first identified this, uh, Richard Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun, they saw this in patients that they were treating for, for trauma, grief. Um, so this wasn't something that uh, they had to cultivate for people. This really was a path that a lot of people took. And I, I always just want to always come back to the fact that two facts. One, this is not the opposite of pain. This happens alongside pain. So it's not, oh, you should just grow from this really tough thing that happened to you. No, it's you have to also sit with 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 the hurt. Um, and that nobody who goes through something horrible should feel like it's their responsibility to have grown through it. Because as people, we really, you know, all of us are going to confront some hardship in our lives. And that comes in different degrees and doses. Um, and sometimes it's more than enough to just figure out how you're going to get through it. Oh, so true. And, and practicing real-time resilience. I remember like if someone were to say in, in like when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, if they were to say, Andrea, this is going to be the best thing. One of the best things that's ever happened to you. I'd be like, and they're like, what? Like, you know, there's so much growth in this. You're going to go on to write a book. You're going to go on to help so many people. You're going to like you, you, when you're in it, it's so hard to see, like, is there going to be possible growth from this? But yes, now looking back, you know, I can see it all, but, and also, so through it, I maybe didn't realize all the growth potential that was happening, but there was a lot of healing that I was learning. I learned all kinds of different, you know, yoga techniques for releasing tension. I, you know, I investigated all these different things. So there was actual growth happening while I was in it that I didn't even realize was happening. So I love that you bring that up. It's almost like that toxic positivity thing, like, but you know what? You're going through trauma, but there's going to be something good that comes out of this. It's like, uh, sometimes we don't, you know, so I love the way you put it alongside. It sits alongside growth sits alongside pain. And I think that that is, that's, I think that's really important for us to talk about. Yeah. I, I appreciate your saying that. And, um, yeah, I do. And, 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 and you also touched on something else that I think is really important, which is when, uh, folks who care about us want to want this to happen for us, but the, it, can come off as trying to push us in a direction that we're not ready to go. And, and, you know, I think the thing that we can do for people when it's not us suffering, it's them is to sit, sit with them quietly sometimes and let them hurt. Uh, don't try to push them in, into healing before they're ready for it. They'll, they'll get there. They'll get there in their own time. Um, I do think that it can be okay to ask people if they ever take the time to really process this quietly, you know, by themselves or if they'd like to talk through it because we can help them to do some of that intentional rumination and processing. Um, but, 
you know, we shouldn't be in the position of telling somebody, well, you need to quit letting those thoughts invade on you. They're, they're not helping you. It's time to grow. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that, I think that that is very common, right? Especially from loving people around you. It's like, just snap out of it. Or, you know, like, it's like they, they think that they're helping and I'm sure it comes from a very loving place, but at the same token, I, I want to go back to this idea and it's that concept of sitting in the wet diaper and and definitely honoring and sitting with the pain. I know for me, when I went through my first divorce, I always say, I always say first divorce, I have no shame around it now. Like I just like, you know, I, I own it. I, you know, so anyway, so with my first divorce, I remember I bounced back so fast, but I was more sweeping my emotions under the carpet. And I was kind of like, you know, and I was numbing and hiding and doing other things. And I went right, jumped into the dating world and things like that pretty quickly. Um, so I didn't pro I didn't take the time to really process the hurt. And then it did later on, obviously, I always say if you sweep something under the carpet, like it, it eventually it's going to stink or build a bulge, right? Sure. And so that bulge came out. So and that's when I started doing a lot of expressive writing uh, around that just journaling. And then um, when I was with the relationship, the long relationship with then my, the, my addicted loved one, um, that one I I went right into expressive writing because there was so much anger, frustration and things that I needed to process that just didn't make sense up here in my brain that I needed to get it down onto paper that really helped me to see with a different perspective. So I think, I think it's good for us to talk about how do we sit in that wet diaper? Or how do we sit with these emotions and not move into a place of judgment, just kind of like zooming out the lens a little bit and, and, and the power of that. Yeah, so really, I think this this is a great segue into how James Pennebaker really developed this strategy. And it's interesting, you know, it's actually like a very coincidental or fortunate or fortunate coincidence. Um, In his work with trauma survivors, he observed that those who were keeping what had happened to them a secret, sweeping it under the rug, were not doing as well as those who were talking about it. And so he brought together uh, in a study populations of trauma survivors and had some of them express in writing their thoughts and feelings related to what they had been through. And others just write about whatever they felt like it. And it turned out that those who expressed their thoughts and feelings did a lot better their well-being increased and and the distress they were suffering through decreased more quickly than those who didn't engage in this activity. And what he found was that it's not just uh, the need to share our secrets, but to do that verbal processing, which can happen in writing and doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, you know, an interpersonal verbal exchange. So you don't have to share the writing. It can be just your private writing. And of course, you know, we've, both made the decision to make our writing available to others, but people can benefit a lot from this, even when these are private thoughts and feelings that they just need to get out and organize in their writing. Yeah. And isn't it true like it, that it's almost like it's it's gaseous or our thoughts are up here in the air and they're kind of all floating around that when we bring it into our brain and then we bring it down onto the paper, it's almost like for me, it feels like it's taking all these busy thoughts that are taking up space and bandwidth in my brain and it like puts it down and allows me, yes. And it's so funny because sometimes I'll start writing and I'm like annoyed with something or I'll just getting all my feelings that I don't understand this, this is how I'm feeling around this. It's like, and I even put 
judgments down there. Like I just let the judgments flow out and just no filter, no filter. And for me, that works really well. And then I kind of start, and then I realize I, I'm, you're sort of start talking to yourself and your, your writing goes in a whole nother direction where it's like, well, you know, maybe did you consider this or like, you know, it's almost like you're having, you're talking and listening at the same time when you're expressive writing. And I love um, all the research done on this and that the science behind it, that people who are, who do expressive writing, and, and we don't want to necessarily call it journaling, but expressive writing feels a little bit like, uh, I don't know, there's a, sometimes people like I'm not journaling or they think back to dear diary days, but um, this is just more about expressive writing is like getting it out. And I love that you said the way you put it, it's like a verbal expression, but you're not necessarily talking to someone else. It's like talking to yourself and listening at the same time and increasing well-being and decreasing str- distress. Yeah, I mean, these are, huge benefits right for something that we can all do which i think is is a wonderful thing about this um and i think what you're talking about with these thoughts that just kind of flow in our heads like our thoughts and our feelings we experience them way more quickly than we can than we can process them we then we can be conscious of like a full thought before we're on to the next one our brains move really quickly um, so yes, this idea of getting things out and, and organizing them, organizing them into full, complete thoughts and connecting them with other full, con- complete thoughts, um, and feelings is, is really what the, what the recipe is here. Um, and you talked about real-time resilience and, and one component of real-time resilience that comes from uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is to identify when maybe our thoughts aren't super helpful and recognize when maybe our thoughts that aren't super helpful also maybe aren't entirely accurate. And writing something down is a really good way to do that and say, oh, this is the thought I'm having and this is the distressing feeling that is coupled with it. But maybe this thing that nobody ever helps me, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's true that sometimes you don't get all the help you need. But you can start identifying where maybe some thoughts are uh, more extreme than the truth or fully inaccurate. I never do anything right. Well, you do tons of stuff right, you know, Um, but it can be easy when we're trapped in our thoughts to have those things just swirling around and not take the time to challenge them. Yeah, those ants, automatic negative thoughts, right? And the cognitive biases. So what's so interesting too, and I find that what really works for me when I I go into my expressive writing is that it helps me reevaluate the experiences that I've been through. It helps me reevaluate by looking at them from different and all perspectives. So it kind of gives you the space between your thinking and the thought. And it allows you just to sit with it. And and I, and before we popped on hit record, you're mentioning that, you know, writing it doesn't have to be about your most traumatic events, right? And um, so it could just be like you're trying to figure out something to do with work or it could be something, you know, a, a smaller T, we call it, a smaller trauma. That's exactly um, the terminology that I use too, those small T traumas. It's, it's exactly right because we all deal with stuff. 
So let's define it. Let's define big T trauma, small T trauma. Cause some people might be listening saying, I'm not going, I didn't have a trauma. Like I, my addicted loved one, you know, is still alive. They're like, you know, um, I just have constant stress that goes around that. And, but what they might not be realizing is they might be a whole bunch of small T traumas could be, you know, uh, repetitive stress. It could be the worry about, you know, your loved one not coming home or when they leave with the keys and you know that they've had too much to drink and, you know, so all those things. Um, so I think we should talk a little bit about the big T, little T, and then maybe define expressive writing. That's a that's a great idea. So, and and I I'd also love to hear your big T, little T trauma definitions, but I'll give I'll give I'll give my best shot. <laughs> uh, so for me, the big T's are those experiences that I defined early in our conversation as trauma. They are extreme in that they're unusual, not because most people won't ever experience them, but because most people will only experience them experience them maybe one or two times in their lives. Um, so extreme in the sense that they're, they're unusual, they're highly distressing, and they challenge our basic thoughts about what the world is like and what our place in the world is. So in your example, I mean, dealing with uh, the experience of having a loved one who has an addiction can have like these really acute trauma moments where you're fearing for their safety, for their life, but also these long-term traumas that I think are still qualify under this definition where your view of the world is challenged because things like people who love me are supposed to be here to help care for me can be challenged when a loved one is going through something like this and they're not able to do those things that we expect somebody who loves us to be able to do. It's challenging that worldview. So that's my big T. The little T are all those things that we deal with on a daily basis um, that suck. <laughs> things sometimes suck. You get in fights with your spouse. You get in... Uh, you know, something doesn't go well at work. Uh, you're working on a project and it falls apart. You stub your toe, you know, like <laughs> let's say maybe it's a little more than stubbing your toe. You break your toe and now, you, you know, you've been uh, really active and now you're having this disruption to maybe a good health practice that you've gotten into. Like all these things that just, they kind of stink. I love the way you put it. They just suck. Yeah. It's, and, it, and it's repetitive. Like they're here and there. And so I'm so glad we defined that because I would definitely want the listener to recognize that even though we're talking about trauma and sometimes we only think of those big things, you know, and so the smaller T's are, are, are just as important and sometimes do require expressive writing or real-time resilience, or you, you can apply some of the techniques of post-traumatic growth to it. Um, to help us, right? And so not to undermine the stress that comes with any form of trauma. So trauma, challenge, struggle, any of those. Um, so let's define, let's talk a little bit about expressive writing that, and, and just delve into that. Yeah. So it turns out that this is a an extremely simple strategy. And that there's a there's a few really good things about that. One is that anyone, anyone can do it. it this is an inexpensive or essentially no cost practice that anyone can engage in. It doesn't require a clinician, though I will say, if you're really struggling with a high level of distress, it, it can absolutely be worth seeking out the help of a, a clinician who can help you work through that. 
But this is something that we can all do, doesn't require a clinician. It does require us to be a little bit thoughtful about what we're ready for. Um, but essentially, the strategy is to sit aside 20 minutes, half an hour, to write about your deepest thoughts and feelings related to an experience that has hurt you. And people sometimes like to explore how they connect to other things in their life. Um, how they connect to relationships that they have or ways that they view the world. Um, so it, there's a lot of flexibility in this. And the other thing about it is if you've been through something really, really tough and you want to use this to process that, you can do that. That's a great, great thing to use this for. Sometimes those things are really hard to visit on a regular basis. And so I think it's a great opportunity to think, okay, well, maybe – Maybe one day a week or one day a month, I'm going to really dive into this really difficult topic. And on the other days, I'm going to write about some of my small T's. Um, and I think that you may find that some of the reactions you have to those small T's inform your thinking about the big T and, and are related. To, your reactions may actually be pretty closely related. And help you discover in a little bit of a lower stakes setting some of the ways that your thoughts are helpful or not as helpful. So good. Now, okay, so 20 to 30 minutes, um, just dumping out, like, is there any structure? Like, I know everyone has different formats. And um, so from your perspective and your training, um, how would you... Because some people might think I'm not a good writer or they like they might have barriers thinking, I don't know. Like, so is it just like I always say it's almost like brain dump verbal diarrhea, like just get it out. <laughs> get it out. Yeah. Again, this is for you. It's not for anyone else. It really does not matter. And they've actually done a few of the studies where people have not uh, have had literacy challenges and couldn't write. And they've had them do this through dictation and it works. So it really is about combining reflection on your deepest thoughts and feelings and organizing them and putting them into words. Uh, you know, one of the things that James Pennebaker talks about, the, the gentleman who developed this strategy, is that he gives roughly the same prompt every time, write about your deepest thoughts and feelings about an experience that has hurt you. And that almost everyone ignores him and writes about whatever they want. So say it again. And it still works. So really, and the other thing he talks about is that um, people have to experiment. So be your own scientist. Figure out what works for you. He said, you know, some people have suggested to him that this works really well for them if they do five minutes every day. Others, I like to sit down and uh, and spend a lot of time. 30 minutes to an hour for me is is. It, it takes me that long to really start connecting with, with my emotions. Um, but, and it may be for you, for you, Andrea, or for you in the audience, uh, that there are other strategies that work better. So something you could do is try a few things, amounts of time, what you write about, whether it's the little T's, the big T's, whether you mix in, some non-tees, you know, maybe some good things um, to, to focus on. And as part of your tracking of this, maybe the next day when you write, 
write a little bit about what your mood was like after the last time. And you might see some patterns develop over time um, that guide you in the direction of seeing exactly what strategy works best for you. But this really, this is my very long-winded way of saying that this is pretty flexible. Yeah. Um, but the main ingredients are that combination of thoughts and feelings. I love that. And also what, what's coming to mind for me too, is a lot of times people might think that, oh, well, isn't this bad that we're dwelling on negative emotions? And isn't this bad that we're talking about things that have hurt us? And like, isn't it like, isn't it fostering more negative emotions and putting us in a downward spiral? So can we speak to that a little bit? Because I know after I journal, I'm literally like, I'm getting out all that, that frustration, that anger. And I, I, I pulled out, especially for our discussion today, I have this red journal that I used when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction. And I swear to gosh, if anyone were to read this, they'd be like, even if I open to any page, it's hilarious. It's like, don't be so hard on me. Question mark. Are you kidding? Like, it's like, like it is so funny. So I kept this because it, I always wanted a reminder of how challenging that situation was. So if my addicted loved one ever were to return, I would, you know, because I, I easily got persuaded by his love bombing and like, you know, the manipulation lies that comes with uh, addiction. And so I kept this because it, it was a continual reminder that Andrea, you're not going crazy. Like this is what's happening. This is how you're feeling. Here are your thoughts around it. Here are your emotions. So yes, it, it put me in a place of like negative emotions, but it was allowing me to process them, get them out. And by the end, it's almost like I, you feel a weight lifted off your shoulder. It's almost like taking all that, those thoughts and those emotions, and it's almost like taking them out of you, which it's such a wonderful way to process them. It's not pretending they didn't happen. It's more honoring those things. It makes sense that you're angry about this. It makes sense because th what he's doing does not make any sense. And it, so it helps you to kind of be your own inner nurture and encourager and offer yourself compassion as well. So let's like, you know, so that idea of dwelling, like, and so that downward spiral might be some of the critique that comes with, with this. Andrea, so for for your listeners, I want to say we did not plan this, but I feel like you are like in my head right now. <laughs> this is the next thing that I really wanted to talk about. And if 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 you'll allow me to be a little bit of a nerd, because the research on this is is pretty interesting to me. I was so, hoping you'd be a little nerd like. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so this is really interesting to me. So early on in. James Pennebaker's research and some of the early publications that are out there about this strategy. And he's at Harvard, correct? That's right. They found that uh, the folks who were participating in this did better if they were writing more negative words. The benefit was stronger if they were writing more negative words. More recently, as they've done more, more research on this, that finding is is not as robust actually sort of has been refuted so but that's not because we shouldn't be writing our negative thoughts and feelings it turns out that we need a pretty good balance if we're not writing about any of the negative thoughts and feelings we're not really doing anything for ourselves but we do need to have a certain amount of focus on also the hopeful and positive thoughts and feelings. And really, the really nerdy part that really I was like, wow, this, this kind of blows my mind. Even when we write about negative feelings in this exercise, 
if we use positive words to do that, the outcomes are better. So instead of saying, I feel sad, you say, I don't feel happy. Um, and it's not, to, and I, I want to say like, this is not that prescriptive because this is for, for you as the, as the writer. And sometimes we just need to say, I feel sad. I'm pissed off. You know, we have to be able to say those things too. Um, but it turns out that if we also mix in some words that are positive, I need love, right? We're, we're refocusing our mind on some of those positive attributes, even as we're allowing ourselves to process those negative experiences. Oh my gosh. You're so like, I just got to add in there. Like that is literally what it is. It's almost like you're dumping out the negative to make space for more hopeful thoughts and to kind of move to a place where you feel lighter and you're able to see possibility and maybe some solutions come to mind or like you're making space for it. And I love that you, it is about the balance and then also adding in, it's like, so I would like, I would down dump out all these things like that are, you know, my thoughts around it, like, you know, this and that. And then I would counteract like, this is what I'm needing. Like I always would go into what am I needing? What am I feeling? What am I wanting? Or I go, what am I feeling? What am I, what are my needs around? You know, what am I, what do I want? And then, so it's really interesting how like the journaling um, and um, creative writing can really help that. It's like, I need love. I need care. I need patience in my life. So it really does help, help you tap into your values and your needs. And that's, that's so positive. You're right. And the other, so the other really interesting thing in some of the more recent findings is that uh, when we use story words, that stories often connect cause and effect. There's a framework around this. So we turn this into a narrative. Ooh, okay. So tell I me more use, about that. That's so cool. Thinking about cause and effect and, and Andrea, I'm going to, I'm going to use you as an example, but I don't want you to think that I'm putting thoughts or feelings that I'm taking credit for thoughts and feelings you may or may not have had. Um, but I'm just going to use this as an example, writing about your addicted loved one. That you might say, because my addicted loved one didn't do the things I knew he needed to do to get better, I felt unloved. So you've connected this cause and effect situation. You've described the feeling uh, that you had, or I felt I needed love. And now you've used that positive word to describe a negative feeling or experience. Oh, this is exciting. So you can actually, and I have this in my book as well, about changing your story, the narrative, making yourself a hero. So what's kind of cool about that is that you're going to go in, you're saying the cause and effect. So you really can see it clear as day. And then, um, and that's, so let's talk about narrative like that. That is so powerful. If we talk in story, like, or we talk more like the cause and effect, um, you're saying that has more impact and actually can help us in, it, it, for our well-being a little bit more even. Yeah. And even saying things like I channeled the anger I was experiencing into a new path for my life. <gasps> Woo! Yes. Your narrative has changed. You literally changed the course of your narrative in response to these negative feelings, right? And anger actually is a very powerful, we think of it as like, we say a negative emotion. And actually I think, you know, that language is not always super helpful because anger can be righteous, justified, motivating. Yes. There can be a lot of good things. So I think sometimes we talk about negative emotions and it's an easy shorthand for 
an emotion I that doesn't feel good. So true. It doesn't mean it's wrong, unhelpful, not telling you something you need to know. Yes. You're talking my language. I always say our emotions are communicating stuff to us. It's communicating something. So if you're feeling angry, what's that anger telling you? If you're feeling sadness, what's that sadness telling you? Like using it as a vehicle. But this expressive writing can help us so much because we're tapping into what it is that we're feeling. It's like, okay, so then like, what is that? We can even ask ourselves and then write about it. Like, what is this emotion telling me? And I always say like, you know, some of the most motivated people are those who've been through some real trauma and like that they're they have these emotions of anger and frustration and like it's it's propelling us to take action I know for me it's like okay I gotta get my life back in order like enough of this it's like you get to a point where you just need to have the courage to focus on you so you can get your life back together so all those emotions are really what helped me start you know making sure I'm putting all my ducks in a row so that I could eventually leave yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and you really, you took control of your narrative. And again, not putting words in your mouth, but you did this work for yourself. And then you also developed this purpose to support other people to do the work for themselves. So you found what, you found a path, but you also decided to become a guide, which is pretty cool. Oh my gosh, it's so cool. And I always say, I, I I met so many amazing people along the way. Like I never thought, and so now I can honestly say, um, having him in my life, and I don't say his name still, having him in my life, it was one of the best things because I didn't realize I could have a best-selling book. Like, you know, I didn't realize that it was going to explode into a beautiful supportive group. Like you can turn pain into purpose. And and that's why exa- exactly celebrating you as well as you've done the exact same thing and through your words. So your book is a little more of a memoir, your first book. You have another one coming as well to help with people dealing with, with help people with post-traumatic growth. Um, but can we talk a little bit, have we have we talked about expressive writing? Do we have any more to say about expressive before we get into your amazing memoir? I think we're I think we're good. And I just I just will encourage people to to give this a try. Give yeah. it a try. It works for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's such a low cost technique or intervention, um, expressive writing. is, And even for me, sometimes it's just when I was felt like my brain was going to explode, I would just go grab my journal and just start writing and just like, you can't even really read it. I'm showing you like, it's messy. It's like, but I just, you get it out. And it's amazing. I would have like five pages written before I knew it because I was just dumping it all out. I knew nobody's going to read it. Eventually I'll probably burn this book. But it's like, you know what, it, it, it does, it, it really, really, you have to just try it, It's experience it, right? And um, no judgment and don't worry about anyone reading it. And in fact, that's probably why I wrote Really Messy so that if anyone were to read it, they would have no idea what I was saying. So, oh my gosh, so great. So then this is, so this is how you actually processed your trauma. So can we talk a little bit about you and your memoir and your book that you've created? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I have a habit of telling the whole story and I want people to get to experience it through the book. So I'm going to do my best not to do that. Um, but um, my journey was was painful. Um, but there were also some really amazing things that happened along the way. Um, and I developed a career out of helping people who 
encountered some of the challenges that I encountered. And what that wound up meaning for me is that I also got to interact with a lot of people who had taken painful experiences and used them as rocket fuel for these really like purposeful endeavors, whether it was uh, parents who had lost children to overdose and were trying to change the way our country addresses addiction to prevent this from happening, or they were supporting other families who were going through this. Um, people who wound up in the criminal justice system and were trying to make some changes so that that system functioned better. Um, you know, who really had like found vocations out of, out of really rough things that they had been through. And I thought, you know, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a name for this. Um, and so that's how I found out about post-traumatic growth as I got really interested in like, what is this that happens to some people? Um, and I, at the same time, I started to write what I thought was going to be a little bit of a memoir and a little bit of self-help, like, here's how you do it. Um, but I realized that there was just so much to this story. And the more I got into writing it, the more I was able to process what I had kind of just pushed to the side. I had gotten to a point by the time I started writing this book that I was surviving just fine. But I wasn't thriving in the way that I could have been if I had pulled some of this stuff out of the under the carpet and really thought through it. And, you know, what I found was that I still had some thoughts and feelings related to what I went through that weren't helping me um, and that weren't accurate. And writing this book, I will say uh, it ends, it ends where I thought I was healed. And I want to say like, people ask like, well, how did you get over this? These are not things you get over, right? You don't get over it. You, you get, you heal enough that you're, you can move forward. Um, and this book ends where I thought that that process was over. I thought I've arrived at the end of this saga, but actually writing this book allowed me to do, to take some of those last steps um, that it turns out were really important. Oh my, that is so I'm being so vague because I don't want to give away the book. Don't give away the book. <laughs> so good. Um, and I love that you talk about turning painful experiences and using it as rocket fuel. And it's so powerful. And, and I, my saying is, I am not going to put this struggle to waste. So, and I love um, Ken Falke's book, Struggle Well, and the whole concept of post-traumatic growth within there. And I've done many episodes on struggling well and post-traumatic growth. But this is the concept is like, if you're listening or you're going, Going through struggle right now, like you can turn your pain into purpose. Like, not that you have to figure it out now, but it's amazing how um, I was so determined for me. I was just like, I am not putting this struggle to waste. I'm going to pull all my psychology resilience training and I'm going to take my, my own publishing company, my own writing ability, and I'm going to put it into book form and I'm going to help people. And so it's so cool that you said that you went back and as you were writing it and fine tuning your memoir, that you you discover new things and you realize that your healing wasn't necessarily complete. And it's so funny that you say that. And, and it's never 
you're never going to get over it. And same with me is I still, it's been over three years and I still have moments where I'm struggling. I'll even read the, like I, my book is not about me. It's just, I do have my story in the beginning, but the whole book is about building resilience. And when I rewrote that introduction about my story, I literally had tears down my eyes, like, cause it was so painful, right? It was so, and it brought me right back, but it realized I still have some hurts in there. I still, and it makes sense because he was a huge part part of our, our lives and I did love him. And so, um, so it's interesting that you say that, that even though, you know, it's, it's, you were, it's not that you're going to get over it, but you're going to heal. So you can move forward and move forward into great things and maybe potentially even using this as rocket fuel. So I just want to celebrate you and how you were able to use such a painful event in your life and use it as rocket fuel and publish this book. Well, thank you, Andrea. I really appreciate that. Yay. And so tell us, so crashing, I love you. Forgive me. Forgive me. Uh, available right now for pre-sale if you're a Kindle reader. Um, if you're waiting for the paperback, though, that'll be out on April 20th. Yay. That is so awesome. So if there all this wonderful talk about expressive writing, the power of writing doesn't have to be perfect. We can just take even five, 20, 30 minutes. And how frequently would you suggest people do that? Is it just whenever or is it like a, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think people benefit even when they do this every day. Like it can be an everyday. This is my thing I do with my cup of coffee. Um, and people can also benefit from doing this once. So again, it's, it's figuring out that the dose and the process that works for you, if it's five minutes every morning while my coffee is brewing, then that might be the right thing for you. Uh, if it's 20 minutes every night before I go to bed to get things out of my head so I can sleep well, that might be what works for you. And, and maybe it's, I do this half an hour on the first of the month. Amazing. And it's just as simple as write about your thoughts and emotions or anything that's caused you pain. What, what is it? Write about your deepest thoughts and feelings about an experience that has hurt you. That is so powerful. Yay. And we're so grateful for all his work. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And if there's one last little nugget of wisdom, what would you like to share? Oh, uh, last nugget of wisdom. <laughs> we get to control our own stories. We don't always get to control the events, but we can control how, how we tell them to ourselves. Oh, that is so good. And through creative writing, we can rewrite things. We can change our narrative. We can process emotions. We can. Sometimes you got to hit that delete key. Yeah. Delete, delete. (laughs) Those were my favorite buttons. Delete, delete, cancel, cancel. No, 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 no. And then, yes. And I love that. So, so much richness in this, so much healing potential. It can help us with um, so much growth in general, right? Because we're thinking about, we're looking at our thoughts, we're thinking about our thoughts, we're taking our thinking to court, we're honoring our emotions while we do it, we're getting stress off our shoulders. Um, So many benefits that can help us safeguard our mental health uh, through expressive writing. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and all this post-traumatic growth. Yay, yay, yay. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. 
We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support group or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.